Console crew. And it's a big take, Ton. <laughs> It's cut me. <laughs> this is the Console Crusade Cutcast. My name is EJ. I'm joined by Nick as always. Uh, I wish I wasn't. And Chris Gilly4 is back again. He's just a rotating regular now. We have him on sometimes. We don't have him on. We're always shit-talking him either way, so it's all gravy. It is gravy, and I'm just a few steps closer to legally making that my last name. Oh, are you not official? No, uh, the state of Louisiana does not offer you the option, as Oregon does, to change your name on the marriage certificate at no charge. I think it's something like 350 bucks a person in Louisiana. It's less expensive in North Carolina, but I have to do all kinds of wonky shit, like I had to get an FBI background check, a state background check, (laughs) fresh copy of my birth certificate. I have to have like notarized affidavits of character from county residents. So you're telling me that me and my nine wives would have to pay $3,500 to get our extremely long last name legalized? That that maps out, yeah. Speaking of cut cast, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Console Crusade, today we are talking about Sony's state of play. And the uh, most recent Pokemon, was it called a Pokemon Direct? Pokemon Presents. Two things that have happened since last time we were here talking about the Nintendo Direct, which Chris, you weren't here for, but we were as hard on it as you would have expected. Hard on. <laughs> yeah, whoa. It was not great. It was not great. Hooray, something else in the Octopath Traveler art style. Triangle strategy, because apparently they all have to be fucking geometrically named and the Mario DLC for Animal Crossing. That's going to get me off my ass to clean my island up a little bit. And looking forward to playing Skyward Sword. Uh, that was before my days as a Zelda player. I really didn't experience much of the series at all until the summer of 2016. So I have a lot of Zelda to catch up on still. I'm looking forward to playing that on the Switch. That seems like a glaring omission in your game catalog. Coming from someone that I know had an SNES at the very least. Yeah, I... I don't know why it just was one that I one that I missed. I mean, missing the the 64, basically the entire console generation when it was in its prime meant that right. I I think that would have probably done it for me. If everybody's like, oh, you got to get this game. You've got to play this game. Um, Ocarina yeah. of Time. I think in our age category specifically, that was like a huge moment for Zelda and like making Zelda fans out of people. Remember uh, me and Leaf bonding over that in particular. Well, I can't remember if it was that or if it was like the Link's Awakening game on Game Boy or, or what have you. But yeah, it was like Ocarina of Time was like a big deal back then. I played Link's Awakening and the Oracle games. Interestingly enough, it's just console Zelda. I don't. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why the 3D Zelda passed me by so hard. But I'm rectifying that now, and I'm looking forward to Skyward Sword. But it was a pretty. Well, it was slim pickings. There was a lot of. There was a lot of shit in that presentation. It didn't present very well either. Like when we talk about in comparison, the PlayStation state of play, they showed at least one of the same game. They showed that, uh, that dodgeball game, but just what they showed was a lot more interesting and like how they presented it was a lot better than like some weird, it was like a weird commercial in the, the Nintendo one. And they had like these characters that aren't actually part of the game, pretending like they're playing the game. And it was like, I don't know, like EJ, you, brought this up but like who was this for like who who are you trying to sell this game to it's like 
you're trying to make a game appealing to idiots or to children because I can't tell. And then when they showed it on the the state of play, they actually showed gameplay. They had a developer talking over it and they're like explaining the game loop and it just like it looked more like a game that you're playing. It looked more like an actual video game as opposed to like a a stupid Fortnite commercial. What I find funny about these presentations, and this goes to a point that Chris loves to make, and I, he's right to a degree, but expectation is the reason these things are such misses for us. And for me in particular, expectation. To that, I would counter with, well, yeah, you're right. If I never look forward to anything, then I'll never be let down. But that's not a way to live your life. The thing about the Nintendo Direct and and especially the Sony Direct, you know people are expecting announcements. Like These are supposed to be, this is about hype. And while on one hand, we wish and we have cried for people to quit announcing things too early. So like I get that if you have to be better safe than sorry. But is this who is the state of play for? Right? Is it for investors? So like we already knew all this stuff was coming. So it's not for the investors. Nobody cares to tune into your fucking half an hour showcase to watch what Deathloop is going to be. Like we don't care. We're going to wait for the reviews. We're going to watch the trailer. We're going to play it. It was a strange sort of uh, presentation because like you said, who is this for? And what are they trying to say? What like what is the point they're trying to make with State of Play because I feel like it's been very mixed as far as what they've talked about in the past, like they've done this for about a year now, a little bit over a year, and they've done a couple like game-specific deep dives, which I think is just copying Nintendo, where they're saying this is a Smash Bros. Direct because we've got 30 minutes of crap that Sakurai's going to talk about, so they're trying to do that with Ghost of Tsushima and Last of Us 2 last year, which I can't speak to those because I didn't watch them because I wasn't interested in those games, but with this uh, state of play, it, it was very... It seemed like, hey... Here's nothing first party. There's a couple things that we're publishing, like they're publishing Returnal, but that's still a third party studio working on that game. And it's not going to, it's not going to do numbers like an actual Sony first party would. And they announced one actual new game with Sifu, which is an indie game. And like, not to disparage that, but it's just another game from that studio that is just like a, a 3D combat game. And then the other new thing they showed which people were probably more excited for, but since I didn't play the actual... They announced a DLC and a PS5 upgrade version of uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, which I, I put that in the category of that's Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, <laughs> but Final Fantasy. It doesn't necessarily move the needle, but at least it's something. At this point, after years and years of they, sh- they, they do this, people are disappointed, they do this, people are disappointed. In my mind, these things should be for announcements. It should be for hype. This is for building goodwill with your fan base, I like how Nintendo does, like, we have our Animal Crossing Direct, right? You have our Smash Bros. Direct. Give us all of our information that for the people who really want to know more about this game. This isn't just a, a show reel to try and move some pre-orders. A state of play or a Nintendo Direct, uh, in the broad sense, feel like this should be about getting people excited. And one of them literally is a mobile game. Yeah, a, a few of them were just uh, actual mobile games. But... I guess I'm not against that in concept, but I think, like you said, for the general directs, I want it to be a, a bigger deal. I want it to be more, you know, showpiece kind of things. And when they do like the indie directs or the indie presentations or whatever the fuck they want to call them these days, those I tune in for because those are a really cool spotlight to show on these smaller titles that wouldn't necessarily ever get the shine if they weren't shown off by a big like first party publisher. So I appreciate those and I enjoy those, but like the expectation is. I'm just going to see a bunch of cool indie games. And I don't think they have uh, properly messaged. 
And I think Sony, I think, did a better job properly messaging like what this was. It was like 10 games. There's going to be some updates. There's going to be some new announcements. And then uh, what else? I can't remember exactly what else they said, but I wasn't like pumped. I didn't set an alarm. I didn't wake up to watch this thing. You didn't think there'd be a God of War, you know, reveal. No, I didn't. I, I didn't expect any like big first party things. And if it was going to be a big first party thing, it'd be like, oh, here's a developer talking over Ratchet and Clank, which is coming out in three months or whatever. So it wouldn't be like a big megaton announcement kind of uh, that's not the place for it with these state of plays. And, and to be honest, this is probably the best state of play they've ever done because all the other ones were just really bad. So this is a good <laughs> yeah. step in like the right direction, I think. Chris, expectations, right? If you went into it as I did thinking they have to show something from God of War or Horizon. And in my mind, all we got was, well, Gran Turismo is not happening. There goes my fantasy critic points. And... They showed like three of the games that we didn't care about when last time we talked about, you know, they showed Deathloop, they showed Returnal, they showed Bridge of Spirits, whatever that game is. And like they all look like fine games, but Chris, I think the only thing we're gonna probably care about is the Final Fantasy stuff. Yeah, uh as expected, uh we're getting a PS5 upgrade of the Final Fantasy Seven remake, uh, which is not not something that's moving me to go purchase a console, but it's, you know, a stone on that side of the scale, so to speak. Like, if I already had a PS5, I, I would go buy this game again uh, on PS5. Is it free upgrade for PS4 owners? It is a free upgrade. Uh, I enjoyed it enough that I still would want to own it again. And it's really complicated because there's the free upgrade, but you don't get the the Yuffie DLC for free and I don't know if they have an upgrade path that you can purchase that in addition. Also, they didn't say in the state of play. They did say that Oddworld is a PS Plus game like go Oddworld fans, but Final Fantasy 7 is also a PS Plus game. So you're going to get that PS4 version for free, which does not come with the PS5 upgrade for free. Oh well, interesting. And so what's the upgrade path on the PS Plus PS4 version? Nobody fucking knows. There's probably a spreadsheet somewhere that explains it, but if you have the physical game, you get the upgrade. If you have purchased a digital game, you get the upgrade. You download it on PS Plus, you don't get the upgrade. And if you have the physical version of the game and the digital PS5, you're fucked. Yeah. You should have thought about that before buying the digital version of the console. That's why I don't fuck with that. That's why I don't fuck yep. with that. Unless you're already doing digital. Anyway, I digress. Um, Yeah, it's got, it's, it's going to be airbrushed up. For me, the number one reason why I want to buy this on PS5 is... Remake Part 2, whatever it may be, whenever it may come, I think is absolutely going to incorporate um, the decisions you made in the first game, which admittedly were minor, but did affect, you know, some of the waifu stuff of some cutscenes down the line. And uh, I, I think if I were a betting man, that, that stuff's going to come back around um, now that they're messing with fate. Uh, I think they want you to think that you have a choice, but I think in the end, they're just going to Bioshock it. Like it's going to be, oh, the, the choices were an illusion all along. Fate and destiny is not in your hands. It's in Sephiroth's. Sephiroth fucked my bitch. <laughs> but couldn't you totally, he did and he Got will cast. again. But can't you, can't you totally imagine though a scenario in the second game? I sound like Joe Rogan. Don't you think that. Jamie, pull that up. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, can't you imagine in the second game that say, you know, you got, you got the cutscene with, uh, with Tifa. And those those choice points between Tifa and Aerith carry over into the second game and you get to the scene in the city of the ancients. And if you've got 
cumulatively more Tifa points, she gets a fucking knife through the chest. Like I could absolutely see them doing that. And they could now because they've, they've broken from the fabric of the first game's reality. Uh, so anyway, sure. just on the off chance, I want to be able to carry my save data over. So I'm going to, I'm going to buy it on PS5 when I have a PS5. Well, it's only going to be out on PS5 also. I think Sony wants to lock down that, that partnership with Square Enix. Right. And the uh, DLC, a Yuffie chapter, my fucking favorite character from Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, a bit of like a prequel to her introduction in the, the original game because you don't meet her till after Midgar and back then. So kind of cool that you get to see her hanging out with her homies, got a new character going on, got some weird bullshit from before Crisis or Crisis Core. I can't remember. I saw a breakdown showing that dude with the big anime hair looking like Goku. His name is literally like Weiss the... The, the pale or something. I think that's crisis core. Uh, but that is a great yeah. segue to the mobile game. <laughs> well, yeah. And it's funny that you were talking about like, Oh, it's a fucking mobile game. It looks a lot better than what you initially, if you just said, Oh, they're doing final fantasy seven remake, but a different remake, but only on mobile. Then that doesn't exactly lead you to be like, Oh man. Yeah. I totally believe in square Enix and their mobile offerings. Oh, hundred percent. And the thing that I think people are missing is that it is not just the final fantasy seven remake you can play through the entire the entire compilation of Final Fantasy VII on this game. You can play through the events of Dirge of Cerberus. You can play through the events of Advent Children. You can play through the events of Before Crisis, which was a phone game in Japan in the early 2000s that was never localized here. It makes a lot of sense because of the... Uh, I can't remember if this was confirmed or just people said it and it just sort of became reality, but the whole thing with like the Final Fantasy that quadrilogy they did in the, the mid 2000s was it was Advent Children before Crisis, Crisis Core and Dirge of Cerberus, which is AC, BC, CC, DC. And now we have EC to wrap it all up. So it's just like, you know, Final Fantasy and like their people in charge of naming stuff. They love to just have a nice little stroke. And this was their final, their final little push. The Dirge to wrap it all up. of Cerberus. Yeah. A dearth of Cerberus. <laughs> Good bit. The Dirge of Cerberus is probably the most ridiculous, ostentatious fucking thing I've ever... The Dirge of Cerberus. It's amazing. Yeah, all that for a third-person shooter on the PSP. That's amazing. <laughs> Gotta name my album Dirge of Cerberus. <laughs> the the dearth of Cerberus are the sales on that game on PS2. It did not do well. Um, oh! Yeah, so I'm excited. I will download this game. I will play this game because I've... A, I mean... Crisis Core is fucking batshit by the time you get to the late game with Genesis and Angeal and these other Sephiroth-like <laughs> beings. Yeah. Uh, they're, all, and, they're all fucking batshit. Oh, yeah. Um, that was probably the only thing in this day to play that was at least marginally exciting, especially if you like those games. I was happy to see a little bit more from some of the indies that they showed last year and got like a little bit more of an explanation of like what you're doing and like what is the game for uh, Kenna and for Solar Ash? So that I appreciated. And also getting a date for Kenna was nice because that's, that's in my league. And I've got high hopes for that game. I just want to say that I love a game that is not trying to be, hey, check out our real people in this real game, mo-capped by real B-grade actors. Like this is just like they animated a movie, but they made uh, characters out of it and made it a video game. So I don't, I don't understand the, I mean, I do to an extent because it's kind of easier, but also not to like mocap and do like the triple A, check out our prestige piece. 
and I guess it sells pretty well, but like, God damn it. Just like, you don't have to have a realistic looking person to have a dramatic story. You don't have to have that to evoke emotions. Have you seen a Pixar movie? Well, yeah. And I was going to say, have you seen any movie that's like a CG movie that looks realistic and is good? Because no, you fucking haven't. No. <laughs> Telltale's Walking Dead evoked more emotion, almost, well, I would say an equal level of emotion in me as The Last of Us. And I played both of them in the same summer. Yeah. I had equally powerful emotional responses to both those games. And it's fucking wow. cel-shaded cartoon graphics. Walking Dead uh, does not look great in hindsight, but like you can do a lot with just uh, some emotive animations. Mm-hmm. And some great fucking voice acting. Hell yeah, Leon Clementine. Special place in my heart that that first chapter does. I really think, uh, I always fuck it up, Returnal, is that right? Yeah. I still don't know if it's going to be any good, but it looks crazy. <laughs> I mean, it, it's one of those things I could easily fail because they're trying to do something weird. And that studio doesn't have the greatest track record, so like it could just come out and be a 70. And okay, that's a bummer, but like... Yeah, and it's not like their previous titles that people actually like. You know, it's not like Rezogun. It's not like Alienation, Dead Nation. It's not like uh, any of the other like top-down twin-stick shooters, which, you know, thank God, because twin-stick shooters fucking suck. Hate aiming with the right stick and walking around with the left on a 2D field. Not my favorite. So uh, good for them for, you know, actually making a real game, but still making it like a roguelite it's kind of strange, kind of a strange uh, concept, and I don't know if they'll stick the landing, but I don't know. Roguelites, they're so hot right now. Dude, I've never played a roguelite that I didn't like, so fingers crossed. I don't think I have anyway. I've only played three roguelites, which we've like, talked about. like Binding of Isaac or something? I like Binding of Isaac. I liked Enter the Gungeon. Obviously, I have I have sung the praises of Dead Cells. Rogueleg. Hades. Rogue Legacy was great. Yeah, I don't know if I'm missing any that I've played, but that would, I guess would be four. Risk of Rain. I didn't really uh, play Risk of Rain. I have a shit ton of the Risk of Rain trophies because I think you played it on my PSP once. <laughs> yeah, I did. I was going through deleting all my 0% trophies, and I'm like, what the fuck? Why do I have so, <laughs> so much Risk of Rain on here? I was like, that was oh, one night of Risk of Rain, no, too. <laughs> one thing, yeah. Talk, dude, Risk of Rain 2, what a weird departure that was, huh? It's a sick-ass game. Dude, it's the same game, but in 3D. It's so tight. <laughs> Is it still in early access? No, it came out. It's uh, okay. 1.0. They've added some additional stuff since they launched, but I haven't uh, haven't played it as much since yeah. then, since of working a lot. Well, let's jump over to the Pokemon Presents. 7 a.m. Pacific, which is very early for me, you see. I woke up and watched the Pokemon Presents with one eyeball. Nick, we, you were still at work, I'm assuming, right? Uh no, I had stayed home that night. Oh okay, I'm I'm I don't want to be overtly negative, which I will no, be. Which that's a first. never, yeah. never I mean, <laughs> perish the thought. I have to be honest with myself and others, and I just don't feel good about what we saw here. Oh my it god! Ran- for me, it ranged from fine, whatever, to like actively bad. And I know in our group chat, we kind of got back and forth and I got kind of lambasted a little bit because I apparently just don't like things and will never be happy, which is always the default response uh, is when someone's unhappy about something, it's, well, you'll, you'd never be happy. It doesn't matter what they do. Like that was my favorite thing during the Game of Thrones season eight debacle. Well, you wouldn't be happy no matter what they did. No, I would have been really happy if it wasn't bad, you know, albeit this is just a really long, shitty commercial. So it's like the games aren't here yet. So I have to reserve that judgment. But 
We're going to get into this. We got a Pokemon Diamond Pearl remake. The the oft-rumored, speculated, asked for. Deeply desired. Which is interesting to me because I feel like Diamond Pearl... Listen, I played a shit ton of Diamond Pearl, but it came at a weird time for for our generation. Like, we were in high school. I was sort of not really playing video games at all except for Pokemon when a Pokemon game would come out. Um, and that was sort of the last, like, vestiges of, of like, my childhood as a 15 or 16-year-old, right? Um, but it's kind of a weird generation for, for people to have nostalgia for, I feel like. Obviously, I'm not taking into account, uh, you know, all the eight-year-olds at the time who are, who are playing Diamond and Pearl. But and I said this last generation, in my mind, it's such a recent game. Why are we getting a remake, especially a remake that just looks, it's just the exact same thing. You know, it's not like, like the Let's Go felt like a really meaningful reimagining of the first gen, right? Sure. I just, I just, I just don't get it. So, and I know I got to put myself in the other shoes. Like there were a lot of literal children who were playing these games at the time. It's not just my experience. <sighs> I guess they started with Pokemon Snap, which is where I want to start because that's not negative. Pokemon Snap looks wonderful. Chris, what did you think about what they showed of that game? Uh, I'm heartened because I sort of feared that this could just be, we're kind of just going to do Pokemon Snap again. Um, Tiffany and I replayed Pokemon Snap on her N64 on New Year's. And like, I think literally trading the controller every time we finish a level, we finished the Pokedex in like four hours. So... Granted, we know pretty much where everything is, um, but I was like, this is definitely going to cost full price. I fear that it's going to be not a lot of experience. So when they're showing me, yeah, here's the fruit, you know how that works. You can lure Pokemon over. Here's this new item. It makes them do different things. It makes them glow. Also, to finish your Pokedex as me, type A brain, like I want to do all the things. I want to have all the boxes checked that there are, it sounds like four distinct poses or activities for each Pokemon based on their interaction with the environment. Other Pokemon of their type are different Pokemon items that you gain. Uh, that's super interesting to me. This feels like something that will be uh, more substantial than I expected when they first announced it and just slapped the word new in front of it. Um, and as it is one of my league picks, uh, I'm bullish that it'll be a solid uh, point getter for me. One thing that I'm still sort of waiting on, and if I miss this in the direct, then please tell me, is confirmation that I can use motion controls to take the photos. That's a shoe in I think that's a lock, but uh, they, I don't think they mentioned it at all. I would really like that because it just sort of begs to happen even in like just with the Joy-Con have they have gyroscopes handheld would be really cool. Just like, oh, oh exactly. Go. It'd be it'd be. Oh, my God. It would be every Pokemon Snap kids dream. What if we could really be taking pictures like you could pick your fucking switch up? It, it's got to happen, right? That will that will make me tremendously disappointed. Speaking of expectation, that's that's my problem because I am expecting it. And so if I am disappointed, I will take ownership of that fact and not blame the Pokemon company. <laughs> no. That's the thing, though, is expectations are born out of 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 context, right? So, a if a sequel to a really great game comes out and is disappointing because it didn't live up to whether it's narrative or from a technical aspect or from from gameplay elements you would expect to be in a sequel to a game that was highly praised, that is not my fault for being disappointed. That is Nintendo or whoever's fault 
for not reading a goddamn room and, and realizing what made the original thing so successful or, or, or enjoyed. So that's, I disagree that that's like on me uh, or, or anybody for having expectations. And it shouldn't be on you if Pokemon Snap comes out and they're like, yeah, we didn't do motion controls. Because that seems like a Nintendo move, doesn't it? For them to come out and something that makes the most sense in the world, well, of course Nintendo's not going to fucking do it. <laughs> And they'll have some dumb reason as to why they didn't include motion controls, right? Yeah, it would be very out of character because they love to force motion controls into games that don't need it. They really do. Like in Mario Odyssey. <laughs> they would come out and say, well, the reason we didn't add a D-pad to the Joy-Con was because it would confuse people. Our, our idiot customers would be confused if there was a D-pad on the Joy-Con. Dude, you're still hung up on that, but they still won't fix the, the actual, you know, joystick. I think that's a more that's a that's a higher concern. It's it is <laughs> that's a but, lawsuit. But it's the the idea that Nintendo just doesn't do things that make sense, and they do things that don't make sense. They could come out and say, "Well, we have exciting new mobile uh, titles in the work that will take advantage of altered reality. Uh, look forward to that." But this is a console game. Like that's something that they would do because it's dumb and doesn't make sense. So anyway, would that Chris? Would you be wrong for being disappointed by that? No. You wouldn't be. That would be Nintendo's fucking fault. I'm not talking about the overall quality of the game. I'm talking about like expectation for very specific things. You're right. If I expect Pokemon Snap to come out and give me a blowjob, I'm going to be disappointed and that's my fault. But if I expect Pokemon Snap to come out and just be like a good game that implements the features we had in the first game. That's Nintendo's fault. Yeah. And we will talk about Pokemon Diamond and Pearl and... I'm sure we'll argue about that, and that's fine. But yeah, you're right. This game looks this game looks good. And as uh, a fellow Type A in in certain regards, I I am always compelled to complete the thing. Right? I want I want to do everything there is to do. I usually lose motivation for that. Um, for example, God of War, which I just beat. I got really hyped on doing the platinum. Now that the world's opened up to me, and I don't feel so gated, I lost interest in that after two days of trying to do it. Right? It's just too much. Of course. But a game like this where, all right, I'm going to go through a familiar setting, really bite-sized levels. I know what I'm looking for, right? Like you said, there's there's only a limited number of alternate poses. It's hopefully not going to be arcane. We're going to kind of know what you're looking for, and now it just comes to like execution, right? That's wonderful. This is a game that will likely get a hundred percented yeah and I'm, I'm interested to see the different like biomes with like different weather and stuff and seeing this location at night you know that kind of thing i like seeing locations change and that's something the the original game obviously didn't co- do because it was an n64 game but it was cool the first game was cool because you got to see these characters in an environment and like exist in a a reality that wasn't just oh i walked into a pokemon in tall grass and it the screen flashed and I'm fighting this thing now. Uh, it was a, a really unique and like novel way to experience this world that you only really got with the anime, which I think, which I think that was like a main reason why people got so attached to these characters. It was not the game that did it. It was the anime. It was the movies. It was the trading cards. It was like this multimedia blitz. So I, I love that they're bringing it back and it looks really good. And like, you know, you can't, you can't please anyone, especially not the Pokemon community, but Personally, I I just I think this game looks really appealing. I can't believe it took as long as it did, and I can't believe that they didn't make it a mobile title. That actually shocks me. Very surprising. I'm not necessarily complaining. I honestly don't know how much of a fucking Pokemon game I'd play walking around snapping pictures. Like in Pokemon uh, Go, they have that altered reality, right? 
I, I, I mean, I barely touch Pokemon Go. I certainly wouldn't walk around trying to do Pokemon Snap in public. You know, like that just seems like a step too far. I want my traditional console experience. So this looks great. Yeah, and you know, criticize Pokemon Company all you want, but I think they've done an actually pretty good job of separating their console experiences from, or you know, handheld console in in regards to that as well from their mobile titles. I feel like a lot of their mobile titles have been very spin off, like. You get your Troze, your Magikarp jump stuff. You get like the QC little time wasters. And then you have your multi-hour sort of experiences actually on like a real system. And I don't know if that's Nintendo being like, hey, don't put your your good games on mobile or if that's Pokemon Company, like knowing where their audience is. But either way, I appreciate that distinction. After Pokemon Snap, we we got the the big reveal. It's Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Is that correct? BDSP? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brilliant yeah. Diamond, Shining Pearl. Great. That's that's fine, right? I mean, I know we've talked about personally here, Nick and I, we've talked about, you know, I, I obviously wanted uh, a Let's Go 2, which is looking not very likely. I know the guy who directed that game, wasn't that his last Pokemon game? He's retired now, right? I can't remember who directed it. I might be misremembering this. Well, Junichi Masuda directed it. Yeah, and he's doing the brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl because he directed those games originally when they came on DS. Okay, but he's like overseeing it, right? Uh, he's directing it, but... Game Freak isn't doing it. This was given to Ilka. What what have they done in the past? They've done they're like a gun for hire. They do like support work. They they like helped out with like Dragon Quest Eleven and like uh a little bit of help with Near Automata, but like they're definitely more of a hired gun kind of studio. I think on surface level, people see that and they get a little worried, but like look at what Panic Button's done on the Switch. They have worked magic. They're a port studio. That's a little bit different. I mean, is it? Yeah, because they didn't help make the game. They just helped put it somewhere else. Think about like a, like a Mercury Steam. Like nobody knew anything about that studio. And they, I think, have made one of the best 2D Metroid titles by remaking Samus Returns. Yeah, but they weren't a support studio. I guess that's more that's more relevant in this conversation because that was headed up by one of the main dudes that was like the producer slash director of previous Metroid titles working with Mercury Steam. Mercury Steam a third-party publisher, and that's similar to what Pokemon Company is doing by giving uh, Junichi Masuda, who's still at Game Freak, I believe, and is now directing this game with a a smaller company that is probably just like hungry and ready to work. Uh, but as as far as like support studios go, you think of games like uh, or studios like One Up Studio that has worked on like every Mario title for the past like fifteen years, but they're not the main guys working on it. They're like you know, helping out with like, I'm assuming playtesting and like maybe just like asset work, stuff like that. You know, they're not the ones that are in charge of making decisions. They're just sort of like, hey, we need more staff. And instead of hiring more people, we're going to have a, a, another studio help out with this. This was very reminiscent to me of the Ruby Sapphire port reveal. Like I just, I just, obviously like that makes sense, right? But I had these flashbacks of... When I saw the the Ruby Sapphire review, I had the same feeling of like, this just looks really vanilla and sort of half-baked. And part of it is Pokemon has relied so much on nostalgia, right? And and to, to not stay relevant, that's silly. Like, Pokemon's the highest grossing franchise ever. They're on top of the fucking world. And, and I know they have like a unique problem too is because they release these generations of things and things are so segmented and they're always having to do something new it was especially as far as creating new pokemon and stuff but like their fan base is so segmented which is i'm sure there are other franchises that are like this 
I, I know, I mean, I mean, Transformers comes to mind, but it's not as generational. Like there aren't as many, like, you know, every two years there's a new Pokemon generation, three years or whatever. And the kids who are playing it are growing up extremely fast. So like the fourth grader who loved Pokemon um, X and Y didn't give a fuck about Pokemon three years later or whatever when the next game came out and hasn't thought about Pokemon in 10 years at this point, right? So when, when are we going to get the X and Y nostalgia, right? So they have, because of, of that sort of approach to how they're developing these things and how massively popular it is, they have like, I mean, they're still catering to 30-year-old, 40-year-old dudes, right? Like Let's Go came out two years ago. That's uh, you know a generation that you would think well these people aren't aren't playing video games anymore like our fan base is they were born in 2010 right so I acknowledge that that's difficult to make everybody happy okay all that to say I, I I get that and I don't begrudge Pokemon Company for doing things like when I see Pokemon Snap I don't want to see last generation Pokemon right I just want the first two I'm not gonna be mad because I see I can't I couldn't even name them. I, who's score bunny, right? Like, I'm not gonna be mad about that. I don't care about that. I think it's a dumb design, whatever. But like some kids somewhere loves that and it's the new exciting thing. And Okay, that is what it is. If they're gonna play to the nostalgia, I wish it didn't feel so lazy. And Nick, you said something last time about Nintendo in general. I know Pokemon and Nintendo are different companies, but their whole model is based on nostalgia, but they can't give it all to you. They have to just give you just enough to keep you coming back and like wishing they would do a little bit more. You know, yeah, they can't they can't do it all. They can't do it right at once. It's kind of this this long con. When I see this, my first thought is, okay, this looks like a shitty mobile game. Like this is ugly. And we've had this argument too about Pokemon games have never really looked that good, especially compared to the contemporaries. I think Let's Go was 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 the nicest looking Pokemon game, which Chris, you and I talked about last time. But they've really never moved the needle. To, to me, it's not that Pokemon games have never looked great because, I mean, I think they kind of have their own art style and and charm that comes from that. And Let's Go certainly was the best, to me, the most like fully realized Pokemon world ever, even though it was a joke of a game in terms of any challenge whatsoever. Uh, but it was absolutely unbelievably immersive and gorgeous. It's that I just don't think that that's what needs to happen. I don't agree that it looks like a mobile game unless it's a, a pretty potent mobile game. I, I don't I don't know that I see a mobile game that could do what they're going to be able to probably do with their their battle animations that would be able to pass muster. I kind of like that the overworld is more old timey looking and I don't know, I guess. Pokemon Company has always been a company that looks forwards and backwards at the same time. Because the fact is, and you, you kind of talked about this, you kind of danced around it a, a little bit, but I want to say it explicitly, is that every Pokemon game, whether it's a generation or a remake or whatever, has to be able to be somebody's first Pokemon game. If I could wave a magic wand and do anything for the series, which I know is never going to happen, and so I don't like sit around waiting for it to happen, it would be difficulty settings. Because, as you said... They've got people our age in their 30s who played the original games on Game Boy when they were like eight years old who are now adults and love this series and also don't have to have our hands held. And replaying Blue when it launched on Virtual Console on the 3DS, I was like, oh, these games have never been hard. They've never been hard ever. 
We just remember them being hard. And so every game has to be somebody's first Pokemon game. And for they want to get people who are in the Switch infrastructure, who maybe played Let's Go, who maybe played Sword and Shield, to be able to play Pokemon titles that maybe they weren't even born when they came out. I mean, there are 12, 13, almost 14-year-olds who, what, it came out in 2007? Who literally never, never existed. (laughs) Quick fun fact, this is the longest period of time between a game's original launch and its remake. Whoa. This is a 15-year gap. 15? 15 years. Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire was... uh, let me see. It was two, 2014 to 2002, so that's 12 years. Heart Gold Soul Silver was 2009 to, to 1999, so that's 10 years. And then Fire Red Leaf Green was 2004 to 96, so that was eight years. Wow. Yeah. People have been waiting for it, right? Because it's the next one in the series. And for me, it occupies kind of a weird space. It was so interesting that you said that, EJ, because I didn't play Gen 4 until after I played Gen 5. It just was this like non-space. So I'm kind of yeah. eager to... High school. Yeah, I'm kind of eager to get back to that and to see what that's like. And again, I don't need a mainline Pokemon game to push the graphical capabilities of of the Switch. That's not what's going to make it interesting for me. Let's go didn't push the 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 Switch by any means, but it was it was a safe sort of design, but it was it was well realized. It was it was it was beautiful. This just looks cheap. It definitely needs a pass on lighting. I think that uh, that that would make a big difference. I think the palette is a little bit weak in this game. It's overly saturated without enough like interesting lighting effects on on display. The chippy stuff is fine. The animation is fine. I think it's purely just lighting. I thought it was an insult, and people said that it it's basically just a Link's Awakening. That's an insult to a oh, no, truly gorgeous game. Yeah, no, the the materials work going on in Link's Awakening was truly fantastic, mm. and they do not have that sort of uh, stuff on display here. Which I mean, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to look like Link's Awakening for it to yeah. look good. Chris, to your point about difficulty levels, obviously Pokemon started as sort of Babby's first RPG and only continue that trend of really getting easier and implementing things that sort of fix not the more difficult aspects, just the more frustrating aspects, right? Like Pokemon wasn't right. hard because, you know, the battle of the strategy was anything complicated. It was hard because you had to go fight 102 Metapods to train your fucking Nidoran to fight Brock, right? Like it was tedious, it was monotonous, and it was obnoxious. Like Or like in Gen 1, like... You had some really messed up math behind the scenes that would sometimes like... Well, Gen 1 was broken also. This is what Let's Go did so well for me. While being a completely easy game, no challenge whatsoever. It did what Pokemon was really all about all along, which is catching all the Pokemon. And the battles were there, and they were fun, but they got rid of wild battles. So you're not you know, inundated with just like, okay, constantly having to fucking spam my, you know, whatever, my weakest attacks to get through all these trash mobs. It made the battles more meaningful, even if they were easy. And it, they really leaned in all of these different mechanics that they'd never really had before and improved them all to really just focus on like, all right, you're you're completing your Pokedex, right? Or if you get deep into it, you're shiny hunting. And like and the way the Pokemon and the overworld work, like it all came together to me, like really embody the essence of what Pokemon is and should have been the whole time. And that's why the people who played it love it so fucking much. Right, people who stuck with it. Some people were turned off by the Pokemon Go controls, and that's fine. I won't begrudge you for that. <laughs> yeah, like you said, uh, useless motion control edition. Right, and, and the fact that they, if you played handheld, you could 
you could use your controllers, right? But if you were using if you accidentally moved your Joy-Cons though, it turned on the motion control and then you had to like sh- you had to like point your your switch and aim or something like that. It was it was some like weird sort of workaround that you had to right. do. I did like that I could play the whole thing with virtually like one controller. I could sit here with one hand above my head laying back on the couch. But but anyway, that's why I ha- I'm so passionate about Let's Go. And when I see certain steps back from that formula while also not improving any of the things that people have been asking for forever. And like you said, a difficulty level, it, yeah, it has to be someone's first Pokemon game, which means it has to be very accessible. And that's fine. The battles and the challenge were never... I I don't want my Pokemon games to be hard, you know? When they introduced the experience share that just gave your entire party experience for catching Pokemon, dude, that was the best thing for a player like me who just wants to get in build a really like fun, unique party and catch as many Pokemon as possible. That's amazing. Yeah, for me, it just really comes down to like, if you're going to do a remake, it has to really justify itself. I think the reason that we went so long between uh, the remake 15 years is because, you know, the DS was basically just parlayed into the 3DS. Like you could play Diamond and Pearl and buy it up until three years before the 3DS died or whatever. Like, Sure. I think that contributes. I think it's also uh, just development on all of the games that uh, Game Freak and Associated Studios have been working on. Everything just yeah. takes longer. Yeah. So yeah, it feels, it feels, it just doesn't feel like it's justifying itself to me. It, it doesn't look, like I said, this graphically to me, it just, it feels cheap and, and quick. And, and for a game like Pokemon, like you said, Chris, about the world and let's go, like you want it to be, something you can get lost in here is the deal the deal is you need to accept that let's go is a spinoff and you're never going to get a second one i would love beyond belief to play let's go johto togepi meryl like i would literally and if they announced that on thursday i would have creamed myself at my computer desk like i would have been thrilled <laughs> beyond belief to revisit that because gold silver crystal are the best pokemon games um and Preach. you yeah, anybody can at me if they disagree. You're wrong. I don't care. Um, Crystal's the best. Uh, Mechanically weak, but good vibes. The original I'm talking about. Not everything held up. They made a lot of huge improvements over Gen 3 and Gen 4 and Gen 5. Sorry, Heart Gold, best Pokemon game. Continue. There you go. Maybe, but that's a different conversation. Um, anyway, if you, this is what I'm talking about with expectation. When I say expectation, I don't mean that you as a consumer should not expect to have a good product delivered to you. You should expect to have a good product delivered to you. When I'm talking about expectation, I'm talking about you are saying, Nintendo, do the things I want if you don't fuck you. That is literally your argument so far is it's not Let's Go 2 and you want it to look like Let's Go 2. Nothing is ever going to look like Let's Go again. It's just not. It's just not. It was a love letter to Gen 1. It was a cash grab to get to sell consoles and to get a bunch of young people to buy switches for a Pokemon game. They couldn't play on their fucking two DS It sold like shit though. So sold 10 million copies, which is shit for Pokemon, but not shit for Nintendo in general. Yeah, and then fair. you sit here and wonder why they haven't made a second one. Cause it didn't fucking sell anything. Like I, it's not like I went into this direct thinking I'm going to get like, let's go too. I mean, I wanted it, but it wasn't like, Oh, I didn't get, let's go fuck this. It was my whole thing is about like design philosophy. I've bitched about it before. Why can't Nintendo develop a game that feels and looks like it was made in the last 10 years? Like, why can't they do it? Context matters and everyone grew up around them. So now the same old bullshit from Nintendo or from Pokemon company is not as impactful as it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago. But because they can just churn out 
quick, easy, boring shit and know it's going to sell because Pokemon is so prolific. It's the reason we get like weird, shitty fucking Mario Olympic Sonic spinoff. It's like fucking no one cares, but it's Mario's. But what I would counter that with is because I don't know if Pokemon in general is for us anymore. And I think yeah, it's. I know you're not happy about that because you want it to be for you because you loved it when you were younger and it's it's disappointing to see something that you loved not be for you anymore. But for like you saying like, okay, it would be cool if they made something that was more reminiscent to games that have been made contemporaries, like their competitors, you could say like Dragon Quest or Final Fantasy or other RPGs, JRPGs. But you can't name another JRPG that's sold as well as Pokemon. So clearly they're doing something right and they're doing something wrong. That's like saying... Like Big Bang Theory is like the pinnacle of comedy because that's the most watched television. It's like no, that's like it's the lowest common denominator. How boring do you have to be to complain about Big Bang Theory not being for you? <laughs> well, but imagine if that was your favorite company who just churned out hit after hit, and then they just did Big Big Bang Theory for twelve straight years, and you're like, what happened to my favorite production house or or director or whatever, right? So like, I think the analogy yeah, the Pokemon's stands. never changed. <laughs> You've changed. Imagine having attachment to a company that literally only cares about your money. That's what I would say to that. I mean, I don't have an attachment to the company. I have an attachment to liking things that I want to like. It, it's funny. Like I look at something like Animal Crossing and I, I got really into New Leaf, right? But there were so many quality of life things that you just think to yourself, how could they not figure this out? And then going into New Leaf. New Horizons. New Horizons. Thank you. I was so worried about this too. I complained about this for months. I'm like, oh, I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm so worried. Dude, they did it. They fixed all these things. And it still has its own idiosyncrasies. And there's like some stuff that you hope they're going to fix down the line. But you're like, oh my God, this is a modern Animal Crossing game. They did it. You talk about expectations. I I was worried, man, because they have a, such a bad track record. And again, Pokemon and, and, and Nintendo are different companies. But it's that idea, right? And repeatedly, Pokemon does something or or, or do, does things that you scratch your head at and say, why? This seems so obvious. Why wouldn't you have fixed this? Or why did you take this step back here? And so saying it's not for you, I mean, you're right, but I'm, all, I'm also not really asking for much more other than just like kind of keeping up with the times and you know what I mean? And just keeping that level of polish instead of doing things that just seem lazy. You're the biggest franchise in the history of the world why are you resting on your laurels you know and and that we have two factions of the fan base you've got the angry nerds saying why why aren't you doing these things and then you have all the self-righteous douchebags on the other side who are like angry nerds you just bunch of man children crying about something just take it and fucking deal with it and it's like why can't i expect that this company (laughs) that i'm giving my money to just like be a little bit better why does that make me a fucking angry man, baby? You sure do resemble a lot of the scarecrows that you're pointing out. <laughs> I'm not like banging on Masuda's door being like, I will end your family. It's tough. I think talking about expectations and franchises and thinking something looks bad and thinking something looks good. It's like a strange sort of conversation to have because I look at what they showed of uh, the, the the shining the B, the BDSM remakes or whatever. <laughs> I'm in. Uh, and I don't think it looks bad. I think it looks cute. I think Same. it looks nice. I think the lighting can be improved. I think that the character models all look fine. I think the battle system being like the the character models that they've been using forever, that's fine. Like I think what 
it's strange. Like, I agree. It's not what I would have expected. If you said, okay, they're doing a Diamond and Pearl remake, I would have expected maybe not Sword and Shield, like the way you move around. But every time they've done a remake, they've taken their current that generation of game and sort of copy pasted the old game into that style. Like that's what they did with Fire Red Leaf Green looking like Ruby Sapphire. It's what they did with Heart Gold Soul Silver looking like Diamond and Pearl. It's what they did with all these games. So it's strange, I agree, that they took a more like one-to-one approach with like the tiling and the size of your character in the overworld. But I don't think that's a bad thing. I think if anything, that's more true to the original than their other remakes have been. And not like true to the original, like looking exactly like it, but just sort of like evoking that same sort of sense of scale. Mm. This is why I didn't like Ruby and Sapphire is because it was just X and Y uh, with this world that I vaguely remembered. So I think that keeping this sort of 2.5D overworld approach is actually going to do a lot for like people who don't remember those old games sort of being a little more evocative of... I think they chose that because they're also making another game in Sinnoh. And I think I think that's a good time to transition into the next thing they showed because I think it's also a very strange but ballsy choice for them to go with Sinnoh of all places. Like, I don't know if that's the, the, the game, like, that's the location that they're just really itching to show off. Like, the obvious choice would be Kanto because Red and Blue sold the most. I think the most people have nostalgia for that game. And like you said, EJ, they love to to trade in nostalgia, and that would have been the safe choice. But I think it's cool that they're going with Seno, which is this sort of like origin story, because they're going really far in the past. They're making this sort of change up into the system. They're not relying on the, hey, you have to fight eight gym leaders and go to the Elite Four and do your, your Champions Road bullshit. So I think just from a concept stage, it's way more interesting with Legends Arceus that they're doing the thing that everybody's asked them for. Everyone and their mom has asked for an open world Pokemon game. I'm not in that group. I'm not the one who asked for this. So this is just me purely looking at what they showed. It's a, Chris is pointing to himself vigorously. He wants this. But I think it's it's interesting. They haven't shown enough for me to be like sold on this. But what they have shown is a extremely un-Game Freak like Game Freak where they're doing something new. They're doing something different. They're taking a step outside of their their comfort zone. I guess you could say they tried a little bit with Sword and Shield with the Wild Area to mixed results. I mean, critically, it, it did well. It's, it sold very well, but you can't ple- you can't appease the haters, especially when you're just scrolling through comments on Twitter or scrolling through comments on YouTube because the 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 nastiest shit always rises to the top. And everyone who's mad about something, that's the thing that gets clicks. Uh, that's content is king, and the content is hate, and the hate rises to the top. But I think. From what they showed of uh, Legends, which is a Breath of the Wild, basically, visual and like presentation Pokemon, I think that has much more, that's a much more interesting thing that they could have done than just do Gen 10 or Gen 11 or whatever Gen they're on right now. I, I agree with that. And let me bitch about this for a second, because Chris, I want you to convince me otherwise, because I have a feeling we're on two different sides of this. I don't want anyone to convince anyone of anything. I just want everyone to just chill out. <laughs> And relax a little bit. <laughs> I want new things. Right. But I want it to make sense. I want it to be done well. The, when I saw this, I mean, for, I'll start by saying I was also not one of those people who's calling for like Breath of the Wild Pokemon. Like, I think there's a lot you can do with a more traditional approach to Pokemon. If, if you know, Sony was letting someone develop it under their umbrella, right? In some alternate reality. I also think people look at this from sort of a surface perspective and aren't realizing what sort of pitfalls come with that. And if you're really just going to translate 
roam around running the Pokemon, throw balls at them, fight them. How probably disappointing that would be if you really try to stick to that formula as, as, as purely as possible. Like watching that little character run around throwing balls and like, I am so out on this right now. The idea I could be convinced to be, to be in on what they showed. I am very skeptical about and. I think it's going to be a, a, a be careful what you wish for sort of thing. I'll be curious to see how they how they try and translate that formula without because if they deviate too much, right, and they and they make Assassin's Creed Pokemon, people are going to be pissed. I don't even know how they well, would do that. Well, it's a spinoff. They've already denoted that with the title, so I don't think you have to worry too much about that. I mean, people are going to have their expectations. Some people are going to expect this to be Zelda, and it's not going to be way too high, right? And people are going to expect this to be, you know. The Pokemon MMO they've won. It's not going to be. So I don't know exactly where this fits in. What they showed has me very nervous. And I thought was conceptually, that's fine. But I thought what was in front of me was disappointing. I don't think this is going to be what anybody wants when all is said and done. Admittedly, I, I am the person who has been asking for really any change in formula, which is why Let's Go ultimately won me over, even though I fucking hated it when they announced it. Um, I don't know if you remember that. I don't remember that in the group chat that I was like, I swear to God, if this is literally like a Pokemon Go retread, I'm not buying this fucking game. Bought it, loved it, have a living dex. Um, uh, real quick, would like to point out very quickly that proof that I'm not just a cynic for cynic's sake, but that I can be won over if the thing that's being delivered is actually good. I will give it a chance and my mind could be changed. Just want to point that out. Because I was very mad about Let's Go when they announced it. I'm very proud that you uh, were not too too proud to change your mind. It's it's a good it's a you love to see it. You honestly do. So anyway, continue. So I I I I gotta give you that. I gotta give you that. Um so yeah, I've been I've been wanting this, I've been wanting a formula shakeup. Uh I I want to instead of I don't want to just like take pot shots. So I'll I'll phrase this objectively. I want to go based on exactly what I was shown in the video and not project all of my bullshit on it like you did. Okay, that's my one shot. Um, everything that we know about this game, number one, it doesn't come out for a fucking year. So all the visuals you saw, all of the systems, this is like probably a pre-alpha, let's literally make an environment we can be in and show that so that we have like a very, very tiny proof of concept of this is kind of what we're doing, sort of. You'll find out in a year, make it a year and a half. This isn't coming out until next summer. There's no way. Um, so I'm not going to pass judgment on the visuals yet because we're way, way, way too far out. If we get to like holiday season and we get a Nintendo Direct and like, hey, this comes out January 18th and it still looks like this, I will absolutely be beating that drum with you, EJ. Um, because if this was getting ready to come out, I'd be worried about it, but I'm not. Take note, though, that people complained about Sword and Shield for a long time, and then guess what? Sword and Shield came out, and it still kind of looked like shit. So they didn't really do anything to improve that. I don't agree at all. I think this this looks markedly better than Sword and Shield. I think this has a much more appealing art direction, even in this early stage. Uh, I think the environments look really nice. The lighting looks really nice. You see these battles with, like, the panning shots around like a Rhydon and like a Garchomp and stuff and the way the light comes off their bodies. I think they have some really good physics-based rendering going on there that I think gives the world a much more real... The things are in the world and they look like they belong there. 
Yeah, sword also sword and shield do not look that bad. The idea that you you think that they're you think that they're they're lifeless games is also hilariously wrong. It's other than let's go the most like teeming with life Pokemon game in terms of interaction with Pokemon in the overworld that they've ever done. Um, the best thing to come out of Sword and Shield, which was by, like far from a perfect game, like far be it for me to say it's a ten out of ten. It's maybe like an eight to five for me. Um, which is still very enjoyable. Um, but it was the wild area. And I thought if they can iterate on this in every future game or just let this be what the wilds look like in the future, where there's creatures roaming around, there's stuff that is too big and too powerful for you to fuck with until you get more capable. That was thrilling because that's to me what it would feel like to be a Pokemon trainer is is to see stuff that you know I am not ready to mess with that yet. So anyway, it looks like they're iterating on the wild area a little bit. So we know that it's open world. We know that there will be a role mechanic. Um, if we want to speculate, we could suggest that means there'll be physical interaction with the environment, but I'm not counting on it. Yeah, and we can we can get into uh, some of the leaked stuff if you want to. We can go into that. Team Rocket has guns. Three thousand years ago? Excuse me, I don't believe that's the case. Uh, we sh- I have heard none of those things, so maybe we should get into it. Um, we know that there will be battling in a traditional sense. We know that you will be able to throw Pokeballs on the overworld, and we know it's said in Sinnoh a bajillion years ago with ancient Pokemon tech, Arceus features prominently, which I think is cool because he also always held. A lot of mystique for me because it was supposed to be like the creator god Pokemon. Yeah, it's, it's that's when they really started going. Well, they did a little bit more in like Ruby Sapphire, but Ruby Sapphire and Diamond and Pearl is when they started leaning more into like the weird JRPG bullshit, like the the anime stuff where it's like everything these is god. overwhelmingly godlike beings are the ones that we're actually trying to capture, as opposed to genetic Freako, you know, Mewtwo that Team Rocket's trying to to capture or recapture or whatever. So that is all we factually know about this game. We also know there's only one town and that you are going into the wilderness. So it's like the inverse of Sword and Shield where Sword and Shield was all these towns, you know, traditional Pokemon stuff and then one wild area. Whereas this is one town and you don't have like the establishment of like gyms. And like I said earlier, like that sort of copy paste formula that Pokemon has been going off. This is a spinoff. So, you know, you can't really judge too much into that, but I think the things that are most appealing to me in this are the things that were most appealing to me in the, the wild area, which I never played that game, but just from the outside looking in, I really like the idea of Pokemon actually existing and being out there, which is what made let's go. So cool is actually seeing these places inhabited as opposed to in prior Pokemon games routes, just being a deterrent and annoying thing you have to go through to get from point A to point B or a place that you run back and forth to grind your Pokemon up so you can finally beat Lieutenant Surge because you don't have any ground Pokemon. You gotta you gotta go into the Diglett Tunnel, you know, whatever. So I think it's cool that these Pokemon, these monsters, are actually realized in a physical location. And uh, let me know when you want to go into like leak stuff because I did watch the the video from the direct a couple hours before it posted on the YouTube channel and there was some additional um, information. So they're clearly, they're not showing their whole hand with this. This is just like an announcement. I think what they did that is because they knew that the uh, diamond pearl remakes, they, they made a choice with that and they made a choice with this. And I think those choices are hand in hand. So they had to show the other hand to say, Hey, we're not making like this weird crappy little chippy game because 
that's like the, the idea. It's to differentiate these two things. Oh, 100%. And I think that the number one overall thing that we know for sure, because um, I had missed, I know that they had said humans are in towns, Pokemon are in the wild and untamed, but I didn't know that there was literally just the one town. That's really interesting. Um, well, I, they've, they've only mentioned the one town. They say that you started the settlement. There is a professor that moved there that brought these Pokemon from other regions. That That's why you have these three starters from three different generations, which is an interesting sort of twist on it, but it's still, you know, your general, your, your regular grass, water, fire. Right. They chose good starters, though. Love all these starters. They did. But this is the biggest swing that the Pokemon company has taken. Um, other than I, I, you could maybe say Let's Go was a swing. Uh, maybe, maybe ever that they've ever taken. And so one way or another, I want to reward them with my dollars down the line. Unless it's good, unless it's not pre-ordering, you don't need to pre-order. No, I don't, I don't pre-order anything. I don't pre-order anything, but I get good. Uh, if it could, if it starts looking like total and complete garbage, I'll probably begrudgingly buy it week of launch, but I won't pre-order it. Um, but I want to reward them with my dollars and say, I see that you are trying to do different things in this universe. They picked, like you said, Nick, the most random fucking little corner of this world and this tiny little piece of lore. And they're going to dig into it and tell a story about that. And this, in this little corner of the Pokemon universe, I think that's smart. I think it's interesting. Um, we'll see if it's any good or not, but I just don't think that neither my optimism nor EJ's pessimism has enough to feel justified uh, completely yet. Uh, tell me about these leaks though. What, what is, what else do you know that might be true? So yeah, take all this with a huge grain of salt. This could easily be made up or whatever, but it seems to be from the same source that leaked the actual video a few hours beforehand. So maybe there was other presentations going on behind the scenes and someone, some nefarious individual decided to share this with the internet, but it looks like the, uh, the one-on-one -on -one battles that they showed are no longer purely time-based like, or turn-based that they're more like an active time battle system similar to FF7. Which seems like an interesting change up that is still like reminiscent and safe, but I think that can change up a lot of things hugely. For them to do this quote-unquote open world sort of Pokemon experience and then to just do traditional turn-based battle feels really half-baked. So if that's true, that interests me a little bit more. If you're going to shake the formula, shake the formula, bro. Yeah, and I think I, I I agree with that. I think a lot of people were a little bit disappointed that Let's Go wasn't purely the same as other combat systems, like you didn't have hold items anymore. That doesn't really affect me too much because, I don't know, I'm not like super crazy in depth with the battling and I just like to give my Pokemon a berry and then they heal themselves occasionally, that kind of thing. Um, other stuff is uh, there's some change with like HP where combat, it says... And this uh, Pokemon League combats are now energy based. So I don't know what that means. If there's like stamina meters or like the way that they're doing the time, like how, how you determine whose turn is whose and that kind of thing. I don't know. You've got to tap your mana before you attack. Uh, your mana. And then something more obvious, no transition between overworld and battles that just sort of, I guess the camera would just like stop and like start panning around doing their little action shots as opposed to doing like a little flash screen. Um, and then something else was uh, your character, the person you're playing as, has HP or has, you know, there's danger that can ha you can be hurt by Pokemon in the wild, which is why there's dodging and there's, there's stealth. Oh, that's tight. Just because you can actually be attacked by Pokemon. So I'm assuming like if all your Pokemon faint and then you just have to run back and like heal your Pokemon up or 
find some berries out in the wild and, and revive them or something. So I think that sort of that adds some danger to you. And then other things were like being able to like ride Pokemon for a traversal. So being like, oh, I've got this mountain peak, but I can't climb it because I'm just a little wimpy human. I've got this ride on though, and he can climb up this mountain. So maybe that adds to the traversal, makes it a little bit more like the the thing that I like about Breath of the Wild isn't the combat. It isn't the you know that that threat, which is what Pokemon is probably going to be leaning more into. But it's the traversal and the exploration. And if they can really nail something interesting in that that realm, I think that would would make this a a 10 out of 10 banger of a game and it's not something they've shown enough of yet for me to be exactly excited but the the possibility the thing the balls on these motherfuckers like they really they really decided to try and take the swing you know they put the ball on the tee and they're 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 swinging away and we'll see if they actually make contact with the ball (laughs) i i would be skeptical that we're going to be able to have more than one party pokemon uh especially if it's energy based and if they're doing like active time it wouldn't surprise me terribly if it's an HP on Pokemon restores after battle kind of situation. Cause I'm looking at that like ancient ass Pokeball that looks like it's carved out of wood with a metal lock and I'm going so tight. Love it. Like, it's so sick. <laughs> I fu- I need that shit like now on my desk. I love, I, I love alternate Pokeballs so much when they started oh. adding those and like the Apricorn stuff and, and gold and silver. That was so cool. I love that shit. Man. Big fucking mood. Yeah, <laughs> man. Oh, I got to have that. It's, I bet it's on Etsy already. Somebody's making them. Um, But I wouldn't, oh, be yeah. surpri- I wouldn't be surprised if you have the one and you can catch more, but you can only have the one with you. Uh, if it's sort of an ancient technology, but maybe, maybe that's totally wrong, but I don't know. That just occurred to me. And then they move through the overworld with you, uh, a la Pokemon that follow you in the games in which you can do so. Um, and that would make a lot of sense. I love the idea. Oh my God. If this was true of the partner uh, of you being able to take damage from Pokemon, that's bothered me forever for fucking ever that these like death machines of creatures just don't touch the trainers ever and they only battle the pokemon and i'm like uh no if i was like face to face with a fucking scyther and i have i don't know like a pidgey that scyther is gonna blow right past the pidgey and try to take my fucking head off with those claw arms like absolutely not um that would be that would be fantastic if if true hey man safari zone you could chuck rocks at those bitches in gen (laughs) one Oh yeah. Can you feed them? Yeah, you could throw food or throw throw rocks. And there's like an invisible bar of hatred and like that you're trying to get them in the the range of to catch them. You guys both make some good points that has me thinking about this. And a lot of this is like devil's advocate, me just trying to project positivity and like what they could do that would be amazing. Yeah. But they're not exactly expectations because they haven't shown enough to me for me to have expectations. They've just sort of tingled me a little bit they're tickling me they're trying to say hey we we can do something cool and i hope that they do talk about expectations that i hope end up disappointing me is that i expect nintendo slash pokemon to continually let me down so that'd be great if that expectation could be shattered this time around i will say like yeah diamond and pearl feels more like a chore like oh i have to i have to try this out to give it a shot like I want to revisit that because I played Diamond Pearl and Platinum. I played those games like three years in a row, three years of high school. That was a large portion of three years doesn't sound like a lot, but like every year of high school, it's like sophomore, junior, and senior year. I played through those games. Like right. that's pretty much the only games I played for like a very 
important chunk of my life. So like, I want to revisit that and just like see what it's like, right? You guys have made some points that seem very interesting about what this game could be. And I should not let my cynicism get me down too soon. Well, I think it's fair to, to expect maybe somebody who has let you down in the past to maybe let you down again. Um, right. <laughs> sure. I, I don't disagree. <laughs> it's also reasonable to look at what the possibilities could be. However, you want to talk about expectation being the enemy of, of joy or whatever. Perfect is the enemy of good. That's also true. Yeah. People are already running wild with these expectations. Oh, yeah. And that, that's unhealthy. Like, I think what Chris and I were talking about as being like, here's what they showed us. Here's what we know. Here's what might be true. And here's like what we hope for. I think it's it's good to have those categorized and like understand where they live in your head and not let them get the better of you because that's where that's where people get mad and it's it's weird to get mad about a product being announced. I really hope to play a game by one of these companies that really stands on its own and not through the lens of Nintendo and or Pokemon. And we've talked about the Breath of the Wild thing where Breath of the Wild did a few things very uniquely and one or two things really well. But as a whole, outside of it being Zelda and Nintendo, I think there was enough wrong with that game that if it was any other franchise or studio or publisher, the the, the perception of that game would be not just a little bit, but significantly worse. Like you're talking from a 10 to like a seven, like magnitudes below kind of where it is now in the zeitgeist and its place in pop culture. And people talk about it as being the best video game of all time, which blows me away. So I, I want to get out of that mindset of like, and I don't know why it just permeates like the entire industry, whether you're a fan, whether you're, you're in games media, like all these guys, it's, it's, it's the Nintendo effect where we talked about it on the fantasy critic pod where it's like, just expect an extra 10 points onto your fucking Metacritic score if you're a Nintendo game. And I want to get away from that. I don't want to look at it through that lens of like, well, it's fine for a Pokemon game. Like, can we just look at this as like, it's good for a game? But Pokemon games are good. Sometimes. Name a mainline Pokemon game that's been lower than an 8.5. I, I, I don't know how to quantify that. I will say Black and White and Sword and Shield remain the only two Pokemon games I have never beat. So I, I I don't know if that gives you an insight into my tastes or how I don't know have the, how those games you know I think nerd media in general has suffered to uh, people believing that opinions are objective and they weaponize sure numbers to begin with like I think it's funny it's in like a fantasy critic kind of sense because yeah you say Nintendo gets the Nintendo bump on like Open Critic but you know I could name like five websites that have the word Nintendo in the title so they're obviously going to be scoring those games higher because that's what they score (laughs) you know so aggregates are completely fake and weird anyway so I just hate that anytime we talk about these things they have to come with a caveat right no one's ever like well for a Ubisoft game this really boring open world formula is still working fine like nobody does that they come out and they say dude this new Assassin's Creed game was really shitty. What does Ubisoft do? They go back to the drawing board for three years and they reinvent the franchise and they come back with a game that people want to play, right? Like, I don't want there to be this caveat of, well, for Nintendo, for Pokemon, it's all, it's, you know, it's like, and when we reward that, 
that's when you you perpetuate this fucking endless cycle of mediocrity. If you don't demand better, and and that means voting with your wallet. Unfortunately, you and I guys can vote with our wallet, but it won't matter because Pokemon again, it's the Mario and Sonic at Rio 2012, whatever the fuck. You're gonna put Pokemon on something. Parents are gonna buy it for their kids. So even that doesn't really work, right? So something's got to give. And I just, I just, I don't know what the solution is. I just want to not have to approach these things and the dialogue we have about them with our friends who, I mean, that's, that's part of the fun of a hobby like this, right? Is enjoying it with our friends. We're talking about it on a podcast, right? We have a group yeah. chat. We talk about it and I don't always want to be Mr. Negative and I don't want Chris to always be Mr. Contrarian and, and Nick is, is Mr. Devil's advocate. Like I don't, it doesn't always have to be contentious like that. I just want Nintendo to do something a little better. I think part of the problem, though, is that like that's who we are. Well, that's, yes, yeah, <laughs> in it like is. all aspects. I love that's to argue. True. It's that a fucking help. problem. It's such a problem. Yeah. And <laughs> stupid me was like, do debate for eight years. It'll be great for your interpersonal relationships for the rest of your life. Um, this incessant need to argue. Anyway, um, I love to turn a conversation into a combat scenario. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. That lights my fire. Um, I don't think it's a caveat to compare a game and a franchise to the bar that the franchise has set. I don't think that that's excusing it. I think it's saying, hey, this is excellent as a franchise. So if we say this is all right for a Pokemon game, we're not excusing it. We're saying this is a solid game based on the way that this franchise works. It's funny you mentioned Assassin's Creed because I think that it's literally the worst example you could have come up with. And maybe it's just one that you happen to grab, but people have literally been clamoring for Assassin's Creed to get back to being fucking Assassin's Creed for like 10 years. Each one they make that's not Assassin's Creed sells better though. <laughs> and it and it still gets screamed at on the internet, but like pe people looked at Origins and were like, this isn't Assassin's Creed anymore. You can't insta-kill people with the Hidden Blade. They looked at Odyssey and were like, they're not even Assassins anymore. Why are we doing this? And then got back to Valhalla and were like, hey guys, guess what? You're going to be able to kill people in one hit with the Hidden Blade again. But they've iterated. If you put that skill in your skill tree. If you put it in your <laughs> skill tree, that's totally fucking useless. Thank you for shattering that illusion forever, Nick. I will never be able to unsee a skill tree for the useless piece of shit that it is unless they do hey, it well. <laughs> You're welcome. I anyway, I, we're going to talk about that. I got two points here, but we're going to talk about God. We're going to do a God of War pod in the next month. I don't agree that the skill tree in that game is completely useless. There were some really interesting things. It's a pretty small tree. It is. To be fair. It is. I will say about the Assassin's Creed thing. I think, yeah, there's always a subset of fans who, who aren't going to be happy. Like that, that is true. They're the gen oneers of the Assassin's Creed. Right. fan base. And my, <laughs> listen, Assassin's Creed, was on a very clear upward trajectory for seven years. Five years. Yeah, a long time. Yeah. Um, Since two. Right. They really iterated on every game and made some really interesting stuff. And I think that culminated in Black Flag, I think, is it's my favorite Assassin's Creed game, but I think probably the best one as far as the traditional formula goes. But what happened was everybody was mad that Assassin's Creed felt old and they compared it to The Witcher. So what did Assassin's Creed do? They went back to the drawing board and they took some cues from the goddamn Witcher, which kind of set a bar for for sort of modern third-person action-adventure RPGs. They came back and said, all right, here's Assassin's Creed Witcher. And it did way better. I mean, yeah, there, there are some purists who are mad about it, but overall, they reviewed better, they sold better, people were happy with the changing pace. And now with Valhalla, it's getting stale again and, and, and people are starting to kind of complain again. But... You make a good point. There are like little things 
which I think is very Nintendo-like. Like people weren't criticizing the the skill tree, the RPG elements, the open world. They're like, oh, I can't insta kill with my blade. Like, what a small thing to be mad about, but an important thing to be mad about. That like, like Ubisoft, why would you ex- like exclude the thing that makes an assassin an assassin? That's that has like no impact on the game. Why would you get rid of it? You know. So it seems it's a double edged sword of like nerds are mad about nothing. Ubisoft, what the fuck are you doing? You know. So I think it's a great analogy for for the Pokemon thing, and I want I need someone to come along and 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 be the Witcher to to Pokemon's Assassin's Creed. Like I need that to happen, so they're forced. But but again, every Pokemon game sells massively and better than the previous generation. So what incentive do they have to really do anything? They have none. They don't care about the people on Twitter, and there is no there is literally no comparable game to Pokemon. There is yeah. no creature collecting game that has ever been even remotely as good that has had the staying power. And now at this point, if you tried, you're just getting it called a Pokemon clone. Oh, yeah. Oh, and it's happened throughout the, the decades. Yeah. But yeah, you know, you're right. And and so that's why I really am just bitching here. You know, I, I, I hope and in, in pray to the video game gods for something better in it. And you're, it's, it's logically not there. It's not coming. But there's also a reason I think Nintendo has uh, a much worse history as far as like we talked about last pod about like their declining sales numbers for for decades really and and sort of the public perception of Nintendo I think ebbs and flows much more dramatically than it does for a Sony or a Microsoft maybe, maybe Microsoft's a bad example because they mm-hmm. dropped the they dropped the the shit pretty hard the last couple of years but I think there's a lot more ebb and flow there just in general, just because they do things differently. And sometimes that's good. And sometimes it's really, really not great. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm just talking about it. I want, I don't want to not like things. I've said that before. I don't want to not like things, you know? And that's why when I gave let's go a chance, I was very happy that I was wrong, you know? And yeah, I think that was uh, one of the very, that was probably one of the, like maybe four or five games in the past three years that I've heard you just sing the praises of and not have just like a huge, but in your in your in your uh description of your time it's like that and spider-man and like dead cells kind of but you fell off that train super hard like it's it it's in rare company i I will concede to chris that the expectations affect how how a game sticks with me right so like when i when i when i have zero expectations for a game it's a lot easier for me to not think about its flaws right but yeah um and i think it's reasonable if i'm playing a if I'm playing some, you know, playing a thing like Dead Cells, like if Dead Cells was developed by some major company and I had played the prior seven Dead Cells, it's different than like some little rinky dink indie game that came out of nowhere to surprise people, right? So I think they're 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 weighed on a different scale. If something like Animal Crossing, like, is there any doubt that New Horizons is the best Animal Crossing game? Yes. I mean, there's doubt in in the community, but not like from me. Like, I think it's my favorite, but yeah. I don't know if it's the best. I mean, it depends on like what you're looking for in the game. Like, are you looking for the game that you experienced on GameCube? Because if like, if you're looking for Ocarina of Time, you're not going to like Breath of the Wild that much. But if you're looking for, I mean, it's like you said, expectations. So different people will have different expectations based on their history with a product. Like if you are a you know, original trilogy purist, then of course the prequel trilogies were a slap in the face. But if you were a kid when the prequel trilogies came out and you could forgive them a little bit more then maybe they don't hurt so much on rewatch, you know, it's just like, oh, this is a campy weird little thing. Like everything that you come into, it's what you bring with you 
into the conversation. That is true to a point. As far as your prequel analogy, you could also like be like a reasonable person and say, I love these as kids and really enjoyed them, but they're not good movies. Like that, you could be in the middle without being a filthy centrist. All right. Okay. Like it's possible to be there and, and, you know, both things actually be true, not just being afraid of the confrontation of the, of the thing. I loved the prequels as a kid. I loved them. They are very bad. I didn't want to turn this into a Star Wars conversation. That was just a a easy, low hanging fruit of conversational sort of if this, then that metaphor. But it's funny about the games. Like you said, the games that really grabbed me that I have no complaints about is because I didn't have expectations for them. So that I think is horizon. You really loved horizon also. Yeah. I loved horizon. And that was coming off of all the Zelda, you know, hullabaloo. What was the last, what was the last franchise entry or sequel that you really latched onto. I love Miles Morales. Does that count? I love eh, kind of. Yeah, that I really latched onto as far as the sequel goes. I didn't like Last of Us two uh, as much as the. Uh, I liked it as much as the first one, but for very different reasons. I mean, Let's Go doesn't really count because it's kind of a spinoff slash remake. Um, yeah, I'd have to think about it. Uh, nothing. Yeah, Let's Go is in a weird camp where it's. You know, it's the same place. It's the same thing, but like your verbs, like what you're doing are wildly different. I didn't play an Elder Scrolls game before Skyrim. Um, yeah, that's a, something I'll think about this week. I, I'm curious, though. We're doing some therapy for you with your... Because I don't, I don't think you have... I, I want to be on the record here. I know Chris gives you a lot of shit about having wild expectations and not like owning up to it. But I think being able to separate yourself from your expectations is healthy in, in like the way you evaluate things and the way you get excited for things but it shouldn't it shouldn't be like the main thing that you're sticking to when you're trying to enjoy something you're trying to experience something like you're not think you're not eating your meal thinking about oh this wasn't as good as yesterday's meal you know right you're just trying to eat right. your food and like have a good time yeah the thing is that's that's a perfect way to describe it nick but it's also like if you know you're used to uh five star meals yeah and it's tough too because you're spending 60 dollars on these goddamn games a lot of times, you know, like that, that, that definitely changes the lens in which you're, you're trying to evaluate whether or not this is a good thing that you did with your money. Right. <laughs> you know, what's funny about people, people say that video games have never been cheaper, which is technically accurate when you talk about not only the scale of these video games now compared totally. uh, to the past, but, but we're just looking at inflation and the cost of video games haven't really gone up, but you also have to look at inflation versus median wages and in that sense video games have really not been more expensive than they are now like right because wages have stagnated especially depending on where you live it's like dude 60 or 70 dollars for a game is so much money and you can get so many things for so much cheaper too so it's just you have a wide range of options when it comes to spending your money on entertainment things that to to kill time essentially it's it's a time to dollars to free time sort of equation and people also like to point to movie theaters that, you know, movie theater tickets have gone up with inflation pretty consistently over the past 50 years. But also movie attendance has gone down extremely consistently for the past 30 years, I would say, since like TV and on-demand video has just totally stolen that market. You know, you're, I, th- I can't remember which executive it was that I was talking about. You know, I think it might have been Reggie or it might have been someone in Nintendo that was saying they weren't, you know, competing with Microsoft or Sony, but they're competing with Netflix because, you know, it's it's more about getting consumers time than it is getting their money. I thought that was kind of interesting. I can't remember who said that. I don't even know if it was Nintendo. Maybe I'm just misattributing that, but 
yeah, it's a it's a wildly different place that we're we're at as far as the video game industry than we were, especially at its like conception, you know, in the seventies and the eighties where the market was wildly inconsistent. That's a really good point. Especially when it as it pertains to Pokemon, it is why it is important to demand more and why people do and why the outrage seems uh, increasingly disproportionate to the what whatever offense uh or perceived offense Nintendo commits, right? Because, you know, there are a hundred other games that are maybe more, you know, better made or, or or cheaper or or more enjoyable. Like, yeah, that demand for my attention. Like the expectations have to be higher in order to to like stand out and justify its existence, right? The more things mm-hmm. we get, the more quality we get. The bar is consistently raising itself, especially in something like this uh, or a hobby like this in a world like video games where it is by nature iterative, right? As the technology grows, so does the medium. Same with film. Yeah. I wonder how sustainable that is with a, a medium like video games where it's not like film where sure CG and stuff has ballooned the cost of production in uh, video, but in video games, it's a ever moving target based on the technology you're using that you have to be, you know, you're laying down the track while you're running the train. And we see that with AAA video games costing more and more money every generation, every year. And the way they have to monetize these games, it's not just that games cost $60 and now they cost $70. They also cost a season pass and microtransactions and like really scummy things that they're doing on top of them, the money that they expect you to pay in the first place. And I don't know how sustainable that is. Like, it's can not. Rockstar get by making one game every seven years and just hoping that it sells 30 million copies? You know, like not yeah. every game can be like that. I don't think every game should be like that. I love games that sell less than a million copies. <laughs> Every game doesn't have to be Pokemon. This is something that I think we've been remiss not to mention so far, which is my biggest takeaway from the Pokemon Direct, is we didn't see one second of that shitty fucking MOBA. Yeah, I mean, they they focused purely on uh, console God. games. These are all Switch games. Yeah. Brilliant, because that's what I thought I for sure was like, like speaking of like having to lower expectations, is the last Pokemon Presents was fucking terrible. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. I'm not letting you do this to me again. I expect nothing. I will see nothing. And I am ready for that. Just be okay with this being just like the other two. And we got some interesting announcements. We could debate the merits of are they going to be good? Are they going to be great? Are they going to be eh? Uh, but we did not see Pokemon Unite. And for that, yeah. I praise I praise the Pokemon company. Something we can all didn't agree on. That. We can all get behind Didn't see that. Pokemon Sleep. Didn't see DLC for their toothbrushing AR game. You know? Uh, Good for them <laughs> focusing on console stuff for their 25th birthday happy birthday to uh pokemon you almost did the thing you almost did the thing i did i almost did. i caught you i heard it anyway edit that out in post yeah right <laughs> i need to save my integrity <laughs> well that was a good conversation you guys have left me with some perspective hopefully once i edit this i'll have done the same for whoever listens to it as i meander less in the final product but um yeah, no, that's that's good. I, I'm I'm curious to see what happens with the uh, the Arceus game. Yeah, I hope all these games are good. Yeah, yeah. Let's go to 2022, baby. Calling it. It could happen. It could happen. I mean, that would be the year for it. It's well, no, they're going to be releasing the Ar- Arceus game, but there's going to be an in between year. year where they're not going to have a mainline game. They're not going to have a remake to do. What are they going to remake X and Y next? Like, fuck off! Don't you dare! 
Don't you dare remake X and Y. <laughs> well, the black and white would be first. Oh. With black two, white two. They'd probably do like a yeah, with black two, white two. It'd uh, be like a whole a whole thing. I haven't I, you that know what? Either. At this point, how difficult it'd be to just port the game with like up res textures. Like, does it need a, a ground up remake? Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if that's part of the reason why they're doing what they're doing with the this the Diamond and Pearl remake is that's like more of like an engine as a groundwork that they could easily import assets into and do the tiles, the tile set and just like do the cutscene work and like put the Pokemon in there and maybe spiff it up a little bit, but still like, I think it's also, we didn't mention this, but it's cool that they're outsourcing the the remake to a third party studio. Like game freak is assumedly all hands on deck with this very, you know, this is a, a larger leap for them with the Legends Arceus game. So maybe they're just trying to pour all their efforts into that. And it's interesting, I guess. It's also more likely that this Legends game is just like a Gale of Darkness sort of one-off and that in 10 years, no one's going to talk about this game. Like, it's probably sure, more likely possible. For, for Pokemon. But, um, you know, they're trying the thing. They're trying to... And if anything, maybe this will lead to them learning a few things finally that will tangibly impact the mainline Pokemon games and maybe bring them into uh, a modern era. Yeah, that was the hope with uh, Let's Go as well. I think we both took away from that game. Yeah, we want to see Pokemon out in the wild. I think my favorite RPGs are the ones that do not have random encounters. Mm -hmm. Random encounters suck, dude. What an archaic... I don't want to spin that wheel. People love gotcha systems. They love the gamble. They love the randomness. Like, oh, oh boy, what am I going to get? And it can be, it can be fun if it's like new things, but it's... It's been it's been done to death, and it was really cool. And let's go to just be like I'm running around looking for a specific Pokemon to get that chain going, to get that shiny catch rate up, you know all that shit. That's the fun grind. Hell yeah! I think that's all we have to say about that, boys. We've been recording for a while. We can wrap this thing up. Find us on the internet. Every every episode, I talk about how I'm going to start posting on socials. I'm a goddamn liar. Don't you trust me? I have a lot going on right now. All right. EJ is a fugly slut. Yes. Do not trust. Yes. <laughs> this is true. Trust no bitch. If you email us, we will read it. This much is true. What's the email? <laughs> I always forget it. <laughs> Feedback at consulcrusade.com. Feedback at consulcrusade. Or email. I, mean, I can make any number of emails for that shit. Dude. Whatever you want. Easy. Whatever, Whatever you, want. you want. Or add us on Twitter, console underscore crusade. You can find us on Facebook. We're everywhere. Find us. If you say something, we'll see it. See something, say something. That's right. Console Crusade.